Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. I am Mike Sazza here to talk about the NCAA tournament, the selection criteria, the bubble, the madness of the march that is about to be here before you know it. To help me out, Chris Anderson. Chris, pop quiz. When's the last time we had a bona fide bubble team in Morgantown? Hmm. Hmm. I was, what? <laughs> well, if you ask Bob Huggins, it was last year, right? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. <laughs> Acceptable answer. Not the uh, number one on the board, though. Not correct answer. I don't know. You tell me. Would it have been John Beeline's last year? Oh, we're going like bubble, bubble. Mm. Like, like, are they in? Are they not in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think you know, maybe we had these discussions a couple weeks out from the end of the regular season. But how many times are we truly debating it? Like the last two or three games, and yeah, maybe you're right. I think maybe it is since then. Yeah. Um. I mean. Massive seasons for for Huggins to start a couple times and then good seeds in the NCAA tournament. 13 and 19 in his sixth season. That didn't really count. They were 17 and 16 and 13, 14. That really wasn't, I mean, that was an NIT team. Um, ranked top, you know, top 15, top 10 team for a couple of years in a row. CBI team, easy NCAA tournament team. The year they didn't have the tournament easy NCAA tournament two years ago. Um, and then last year, probably just going through the motions, I think, us <laughs> trying to see if this is actually like lip service and the coaches or if there's something to it, but they finished below 500. Last night, Chris, though, the win gives them 16 in the season. They cannot finish the regular season under 500, which means nothing. The NCAA tournament 
um, you know, bats an eye at that stuff. But the NIT doesn't really consider 500 criteria anymore. So, hey, not a hang a banner moment, but they can't have a losing record in the regular season. I think after Saturday, a lot of people might have been like, oh, no, here they go again. How are they going to win? This is going to be a, you know, 15 and 16 team in the regular season. Not so. And things do change really quickly. That's the, I guess, the the good thing and the bad thing about playing games so quickly. Uh, Oklahoma State on the wrong foot right now. West Virginia back on the right foot. Um, and now we just wonder because a lot is going to change before West Virginia even plays its next game. And then, again, two games in three days on the road against top 25 teams. It's going to be difficult. Um the bubble's very fluid, and that's what we're going to talk about here today. Not if we were on the committee. That'd be pretty cool, though. But what does matter, what should matter? And this is where it gets hard, Chris, because it's so subjective, and the data points seem to change every year to the point that, like, I really wonder if people are going to poke hole in the net, even though the net was designed to create some sort of like, like pivotal data point where you could really put one team next to the other and have an easy up-down boat. But I don't know. That might be... That might be debatable as we go in, but top of your head, though. What stats matter most? What should matter most? That's what we're going to get into here, too. Seems like a good time. And it may be, like, really nerve-wracking, but it actually is kind of fun. If you're a fan of the team, are they in or are they not? Um, listen, it's a lot better to be in a slam dunk top 16 seed or a top eight, you know, top half of your bracket. Not the case right here, but you'd rather be in than out. So here we go. What do you think about the chances overall right now, Chris? Um, I actually think they're pretty good. And the reason I'm going to give it, I'm not going to give it yet. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the ending here. Um, it, the reason I'm going to give is not limited to one specific stat, let's say. Um, it's a bigger picture type of thing. But after last night's win, let, let's stick with the stats. Let's stick with the metrics, the numbers. After last night's win, West Virginia now at number 26 in the net. Um, again, I think we, we had this discussion on the podcast a couple weeks ago, the best, right? That's the, how we agreed to call it the best net ranking to not make the NCAA tournament. Now, granted, this isn't exactly a long and extensive history of the net, but was NC state, which was 33. Mm -hmm. Um, last night they were 32, right? Yeah. West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think, I was gonna say they were they were somewhere in that 30, 30 to thirty two range. They were better than thirty three. I remember that, but it, and it had a three in front of it. So it's it's moving in the right direction with another good win in a in a good win. Another, I don't think that counted as a quad one win last night. Um, but they got five still again, and a couple teams that are kind of lingering in and around what might change that number for better. And for worse. So again, I don't know if that's the end all be all number to be looking at, but West Virginia at number 26 in the net right now. The top six teams in quad one games are all big 12 teams. Five of them are as of today in CAA tournament teams. The exception is Oklahoma. So part of me is like, can you give a team so much credit for playing a lot of quad one games if it's just part of being the conference? No. And that might inflate your strength of schedule. And if you're not as good as your schedule, that comes at a cost. But five of those six teams are NCAA tournament teams. And Oklahoma might be in other leagues, just not this year, too. Um, so real quick, sorry to interrupt, but is, so are, is this the SEC football, you know, issue 
the, the debate we always say, hey, of course they got, you know, wins against top 25 teams because you keep inflating where they're ranked and they just beat each other. And then you just never unrank them because they're always playing top 25 teams. It's a parallel argument for sure. And even if I expand that, it's the top 10, right? The only non-Big 12 team in the top 10 would be Michigan State. And then the number, let's see here, it'd be 7, 10, 11, tied for 11th, number 13, I guess, overall, Kansas State. So of the most RPI games in the country, the entire Big 12 was in the top, excuse me, most quad one games in the country, the entire Big 12 was in the top 13. That's fun, right? Now, when you expand it a little bit and you make it wins, you still got to win the games. And again, for so many of these teams to have played so many games, but also be, it's one thing to play a lot of big quad one games it's a lot to get a lot of quad one wins and like first second fourth fifth ninth right those are all big 12 teams when it comes to quad one wins kansas incredible 14 quad one wins unbelievable whereas like north carolina am i right here zero oh for nine you are correct i, I have oh for eight in front of me but yes you are correct at zero and that's gonna lead into my my big finale when we get there so let's go into this What's perception, Chris? What what matters when these people sit down in this room and, and like maybe we'll do this as we get closer, but it's not like a just a Sunday afternoon thing. It's about a week long process of like different drafts and ballots and a lot of people and a lot of a lot of steps in the process. But let's just say it's one large conversation. If you're starting to separate teams that are in or out or are should be higher than like a bubble team, like, hey, this team is actually better than a bubble or hey, this team isn't even a bubble, whatever. What what should West Virginia feel good about or what should teams maybe just like expanding here? What's what's a worthy metric for a team? What are some numbers to keep in mind? All right. You know, what? I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go for my thing right now because I, I don't think it's a specific metric, but it is for West Virginia. Big picture. I, I ask you this. If West Virginia out is out. Who is in? I think it's a great point. I test, that, right? Yeah. Well, and that and just this is maybe. And I haven't exactly, again, you said it's, we agree it's been a while since been, West Virginia has been a true bubble team. So it's been a while since I've sat here and broke out the spreadsheet and compared resumes and done all this stuff. But you look at the teams that, and I'm going off of Joe Lenardi uh, and Jerry Palm's uh, bracketologies here and picking the teams that they have, like the last four buys, the last four in, you know, the guys playing the first four, first four out, next four out. It's like 16 teams, basically. And you compare West Virginia's resume to theirs, and it's it's a joke. Like it's not even funny. I mean, this is one of the weakest bubbles I can ever remember. Which, yeah, I don't want to go on too big of a tangent about hey, let's expand this to ninety six, one hundred twenty eight teams or whatever. But like, are there even sixty four good teams this year that warrant you know replacing West Virginia at this point? So let me ask you, how do you how do you make that statement right now? What what make you so confident? I'm not arguing with you, but I think it's an interesting point, which again, may that's that may be like a brown paper bag thing for fans right now. I'd be like, okay, okay. Not the best position, but maybe the best of a weak bubble. Where do you look? What do you see that makes you say, you know what? Not a great year for the bubble. So I'm looking at um really I mean, again, we're using metrics like net. They're better than everybody that was in that 16 teams. I'll I'll rattle some of the names in a minute, but I think the only other team that is in the top 30 of the net that is in this bubble area of these 16 teams is Boise State. 
And but then you look further into Boise State's uh, resume, and they have how many quad one wins? One, mm. one quad one win. Um, you know, West Virginia, they have five out of all sixteen teams that are in this little bubble area. West Virginia is tied with the most with five. You start putting these in and, and sorting all of these different categories, the net, the quad one wins, the the quote-unquote bad losses. And, and again, I don't even consider quad two losses bad, but I'm gonna we're going to call them bad for right now. Anything that's not quad one losses, West Virginia has one, and it was a quad two loss. Everyone else has multiple. Some of these other teams that are on the bubble that are with West Virginia have five, have six bad losses in these quads. And at the same time that they're having five and six bad losses, they have like two good wins. Those are the teams I'm looking at. I'm like, how are these teams even in consideration for the bubble with that kind of stuff? But here they are on basically every single person's, you know, bubble sheet right now. The conference tournament week is going to be pretty interesting because I look at the Mountain West, for example. That's probably a multi-bid league. Actually, there's no probably about it. It's going to be a multi-bid league, but how multi, you know? And if you look at how the conferences are ranked this year, it's above the ACC. Um, Does that mean it's going to get more teams in the ACC? Probably not. Maybe we'll see. But if there's an upset in the tournament, but if the upset's a real upset and, like, an NIT team wins that tournament, are they going to get their full complement of NCAA-worthy teams in? That's why it's so hard right now, because if you are one of these last handful of teams, which could very well be West Virginia, and you're hanging on, like, what's going to happen to, like, Nevada, places like that, in that tournament over there, that's that's going to be kind of, like, a little bit nerve-wracking, I would think, too. But, I don't know, we'll see here. Um, another concept here that I think is important, and I don't I don't like that it can be devalued, but, again, the net was created to more or less streamline things, and to combine data put together a formula and say, here's how we're going to look at teams. That's fine. But what what concerns me, Chris, is that it does not, like, like I said, I test. And you said, you know, what team, if not West Virginia, that's somewhat I test. It's subjective. That's the personal human element. The net doesn't do that. But then it also doesn't care when you win games. So that 25 point win against Pitt, where Pitt was a totally different team and maybe West Virginia was too. That happened last night. Or that happened, you know, whenever they run those numbers, it doesn't really matter. I think that win is maybe not as impressive on November 11th as it might be on March 11th. But I wonder if people might dismiss that. And then I wonder if people might say, you know, in Pitt's favor, well, Pitt lost that game. That's a totally different Pitt team. True. So does that help Pitt out? And does that hurt West Virginia? But also you look at like Texas Tech has played pretty well. West Virginia beat them. And then let's just say that West Virginia puts a couple wins together here and Oklahoma State is on the outs. Well, Oklahoma State's lost three in a row, but lost to Kansas, TCU, West Virginia, and I know it could be Texas Tech, and, and I think they have Iowa State. No, Kansas State left. Some good teams there. And that's inevitable, I guess, you're in a conference like this because you're going to run into good teams. But to what extent do you think like last 10, last seven, or or when you beat a team or when you played a team, how much should that matter? Because again, in the computer's mind, it doesn't. And a lot of these selection people will use the net, but a lot of the selection people will have eyes. And again, there are people who are in the conference that a team is going to be pulled from. And then you're going to pick out a pit or a West Virginia and whoever the ACC rep is, they can't be in there when they vote on the team and discuss them. 
they can answer questions. So, for example, if Ren Baker is, uh, well, so I have an anecdote for Ren Baker in a minute, but if Ren Baker is on the selection committee, he can answer questions about Big 12 teams or whatever. And he's going to say, man, this league is hard. And it's going to make what they've done recently seem much more valuable than what happened in November. So that's the human element here, too. So how much do you think when a team won or what their form was early in the year is versus what it was late in the year? Because West Virginia's first 10 games, 8-2. and two. Their final 10 games are not going to be 8-2. and two, But one of those teams exists. One of those teams is going to get upvoted, downvoted for the tournament. And to me, that's kind of fascinating. Yeah, because the, the the final ten used to be, I don't want maybe a major criteria or at least a criteria mm-hmm. um, for deciding who got into the NCAA tournament, and I do think it has to mean something. But again, it also has to take into account that of who you're playing. Like you were just saying, like West Virginia is playing the toughest league by far in the entire country right now, and Pitt, you can say. Are are they better now than they were when West Virginia played? Because, or you could say, my counter argument would be, Pitt played West Virginia. West Virginia is a good team, and now Pitt looks good because they're playing in the worst of the major six, or like what their seventh, eighth best conference in the country right now, mm-hmm. and they're beating beating the crap out of teams that are just aren't very good. So that would be my counter argument to that. You know, if I were a, a West Virginia rep sitting in that room, but um, or not a rep, but somebody who, you know, a proponent, somebody who thinks that West Virginia should be in, um, that would be my counter argument to that because I'm, yeah. Is, is Pitt playing better or like, and it's just, it just seems wild to say this, you know, after the history we know with that conference or is the ACC just so bad that Pitt looks good now? I'm not sure. Preseason number one, not in the conference, the country, might not make the tournament, North Carolina. Is that going to be because the ACC is a bad conference and the Tar Heels are representative of that? Or is that going to be because it's a tough conference and the Tar Heels got everybody shot every time they went out on the floor? You know, it's UNC, but it's also the preseason number one defending national runner-up. I just have a hard time believing that if you're going to get NC to UNC on the line with somebody for the final bid, that's not going to be the preseason number one. The team that played the title last year, the team that is UNC. I just have a hard time. They're going to look the other way on that, but I don't know. We'll see. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, can I read you some some things that I've cobbled together for what doesn't matter? Go for it. And what does matter? Here's a good question. Which one do you think this is? Does matter, doesn't matter. Conference record and standing. I think it doesn't matter, but it's not officially not criteria. Okay. Um, at, and different things like, you know, tournament history, coaches, tournament history, um, appearances and height of the, of the top 25 poll. That's out of here. I'm trying to make sense of my notes here. Uh, whereas important games by quadrant, um, records by quadrant, both away, home and neutral, all the strength of schedule stuff, um, and neutral records. Here's where you get kind of a bit subjective. The average rank of the opponent you beat in the net versus the average rank of the opponent you lost to in the net. That's great news for West Virginia because they can't help but win games that are high against the net, but also their losses are all very good. Would you say like nine of their, I mean, 10 of their 11 are net one or quad one losses? Pretty yeah, good. I can give you those numbers, at least compared to the 16 teams that I talked about being on the bubble. Mm-hmm. West Virginia ranks fourth in average net win, like the average uh, ranking in the net for the, their wins. And number one in average net loss, uh, with an average net of their loss being 23. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's pretty healthy. And that's going to separate them if this isn't, in fact, something that they value and they wait. Your overall record does matter. And that might be just are they 500, how far from 500 they are. But also within that, as part of that, a, a component of your overall record is what you did in non conference play. West Virginia is in a much better situation because that Auburn win. Without Auburn, this is probably not as interesting as a conversation overall home record that matters. I think that's a good one, but I would think that road record would be one, but I can't really find a, a, a great value or a great conversation in the past about a team's road record. If they went out and they played road games, and they won. Sure. But your home record does seem to matter. And here's a, here's a tricky one too, because this is, this is part of the formulas that I think are, are kind of baked into the, the conversation this time of year, but your margin of victory. And lately, Chris, they've had some margin of victories go both ways. They've won some big ones. They've lost some big ones, too. But it is kind of like pedal to metal time when you see a coach pull out his hair because a 17-point game is down to 8 or a 25-point game is down to 13. Maybe that's why, too. Some of those variables, I guess, kind of got me thinking on some things. And I wonder if... Is there is there one that's outside the boxer that isn't mentioned that you think maybe could matter? Or, again, if you were in the room and everybody's having a very homogenous conversation, you would be like, all right, well, I am going to point out this here. Is there a record, a variable, a component there that we haven't mentioned that you think should be worth more than this? That should be mentioned, not necessarily because it helps or hurts West Virginia, just because you think it's indicative of a team that is worthy of a bid. I do think, and, and you did mention it a second ago, so I'm cheating a little bit here, but I think it should be more important and it does not help West Virginia at all. Um, away in neutral record. I, th- I think that should be of 
somewhat significant importance when deciding who makes the NCAA tournament. I think, you know, obviously all these games are going to be in neutral sites and you're trying to find the best team. And that a big variable, like when you're playing neutral sites, especially it, they're neutral, a big variable can be your home court advantage can be and in, in Bob Huggins. Is, I mean, he's not shy to point out which places are easy to play in and which ones are difficult to play in. And, you know, I mean, what was it? The Kansas, Kansas State, where they lost earlier this year, right? And he was like, man, this is not a place we need to be losing because it's there's just no crowd there. Um, was that Kansas State or was that TCU? That was Kansas State. Well, both of them, really. But Kansas State was that yeah. December 31st game. They played a bowl game that day. It's New Year's Eve. Who's going to be there? Oh, yeah. Right. And and so I do think that that is of some importance there because I think you know your record can get inflated by your home record, by – having a nice home crowd. I mean, you you look at the Big 12 specifically, it, home records going just going down the standings, 13 and 1, 15 and 1, 13 and 2, 14 and 1, 13 and 1, 12 and 4, 11 and 3, 12 and 4. And we know that a lot of that is because these non-conference games against some weaker opponents are all home games. They're all home games. Very rarely are they away games. They're never away games. Sometimes they're neutral games. So the fact that the uh, committee, because you mentioned home records is something they look at, right? Did you say that? Yes. That's the, I mean, I would much higher weight a team's neutral and away record than I would their home record. Okay. Um, Let's go for a walk here. I think, I think losing streaks are something that I would look at. Now, it's inevitable, I think. Teams are going to have bumps. You're going to play in a really good tournament in November. You might go 1-2 and two and lose two games in a row. You might go 0-2. You might have a couple Saturday Mondays in conference play where that's very, very hard. Um, and, man, in, in March, they're different than they are in January, too. February, they're different than they are in January. Um, I think losing streaks kind of matter. But sometimes I look at teams and I see what their record is after a loss. And if you have seven losses, but four of them came in a row well that's bad but like you won your next game after the other losses that's pretty good if you got 11 losses but you had a five game losing streak and then a three game losing streak that concerns me a little bit i don't know if this is worthy or not chris like you you tell me here but if a team can lose a game and turn around and quickly get one or two wins in a row if a team loses three in a row three different times if a team loses five in a row and then later three in a row does a record after loss say much about a team, you know, at the end of the season here? Because again, it could be very, very subjective where you look at a conference and say it's much easier to bounce back in the ACC than it is in the Big 12. But a really good Big 12 team might not lose all of its games in two batches, too. It might find a way out of the trouble um, before it gets deeper into it. So I wonder about not necessarily losing streaks, but your record after a loss. I don't think it's a terrible thing to look at, but you're really going to have to, and this is probably asking too much of the committee, to really look through it with a, a fine-tooth comb because we talked about, for instance, West Virginia's situation where it was like uh, the Texas and Baylor back-to-back where it was like, yeah, Baylor, that's just a – and Texas had extra time to prepare. And it, you just looked at those two games. You're like, well, that's those are schedule losses. Like th- those are two top ten teams. So you're already going to have a difficult time beating them. And then the schedule is just screwing you. I mean, you look at Oklahoma State. Last night, one could argue, that was a schedule loss. 
for the Cowboys because they had to go on the road on Saturday to play top 25 TCU, got routed there, gave up 100 points, and then had to immediately fly to Morgantown to play West Virginia on Monday night. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing to look at, but you really have to ask these these committee members to look over things with a fine-tooth comb for, for instances like that. I think if you're having a conversation about a small number of teams, you can do that. But when it comes to getting all 68 teams, no, that's that's absolutely not fair. But I think if you're trying to pick them, you know, which one's better? Well, this team was great until they hit a five-game losing streak, or this team was going along and they had you know a couple Saturday Mondays and they stumbled. Like I think there's a way to make sense of teams like that, whereas if you're just playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, it's probably a little bit easier. And if you're playing, you know, some of these, look, this is where the unbalanced conference schedule can really come into play too. I mean, that that might be something you look at too. Like, wait a minute, this ACC team played 20 games. That's more games than 18. But, boy, they played the bottom of that conference a couple times. They got six wins against the bottom four teams. And you can make sense of it that way here. Um, We can close with this, Chris. NCAA publishes their team sheets at the end of every year. And this gives you some insight into what we're doing. So you can pull this up. You can Google it. You can do whatever you want. But they, they usually release these things right after their selection committee puts together their field. And and here's where the here's what's on them. And it doesn't mean this is like what they use team for team on a comp, but here's the data they put together. Um record, of course, against division one teams. Record against non-conference teams. Road record. Go figure, right? Uh strength of schedule by the net, strength of schedule by the RPI. Average rank of the team you beat in the net, average rank of the team you lost to in the net. And then quad one, two, three, and four games broken down by overall record, home record, road record, neutral record, and quadrant wins by non-conference, which is a good point that I wish I mentioned earlier too because you you really have to gamble and guess on some of these non-conference games because that UAB one, for example, for West Virginia has gone up and down this year, but that, that could be really helpful in the end. And a team like a Mac team or a Mountain West team or whomever that you find some of these power pies play, you are guessing on. But if a couple of them end up in quad one or quad two, that's great. But if you're eight, no against quad four teams and non-conference play, you're not doing yourself a lot of favors there too. So that's a little bit of insight into what they look at. But again, that really levels the playing field and you're going to have to make some decisions on people. Um, which leads me to this. What, what should West Virginia feel good about? worried about relative to their situation and their surroundings as we go into these final three games um again i think you know the fact that it's a weak bubble very positive for west virginia i think if this were another year they might be in a little more trouble than they are um the thing i'd be most worried about is what's left on this schedule like because we're, we're taking a snapshot right now february 21st with west virginia 16 and 12 it is very, very possible that West Virginia ends the season, six, or regular season, 16 and 15. I mean, on the road at number three, Kansas, on the road at number 23, Iowa State, and then home for number 14, Kansas State. They might, might be a slight favorite at home against Kansas State. They'll be big dogs against Kansas, dogs against Iowa State most likely, even though they just beat Iowa State, you know, two weeks ago, but it's going to be on the road. And you've, we just said West Virginia's record on the road was a two and seven. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 I'd be very concerned about what happens over the next couple of weeks. Cause if you go loss, 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 and then you have to play 
let's see, a Texas Tech team that you just you just had some trouble with in the first round, you know, that seven nine matchup or or eight nine matchup or something like that. I guess it's gonna be eight nine because Oklahoma State will play Oklahoma seven ten. And then you lose that one and you're sixteen and sixteen and you're out in the first round of the Big Twelve tournament. That's it. That's it. I don't care what the net is at that point. Yeah. So that's where things <laughs> get really, really tricky too. Um, you'd love to get up to seven. That probably is going to be hard, although beating Oklahoma State certainly helps. And Oklahoma State looks like they are in a bad way right now. Just right now. I mean, they're and their schedule's not great. Um, I really wonder who they beat when they went seven and one. Um, Oklahoma twice, Iowa State twice, uh, TC without Miles, Ole Miss, um, Texas Tech. That's not really murderer's row, especially when Texas Tech was down and you had TC without Mike Miles. And they've gotten beaten badly the last three games. They've been down by, I think, 20 in all three of those games. That's not good. Um, West Virginia, a 27% chance to win at Kansas, a 30% chance to win at Iowa State, a 65% chance to win against Kansas State. Independent of other results, which makes this completely uh, just a ridiculous exercise because it means that no other games happen. But if they go one and two, Bart Torvik has them as the six team out of the tournament. There'd be five teams above them left out of the field. They'd be six. If they win one of those games um, that I mentioned as losses, Kansas State or Iowa State, they're looking at like nine, 10, 11 seed, depending on which one it is, what happens. That's how different one day one game could be. And that's what makes you kick yourself about a game like Texas Tech or, I don't know, Oklahoma more than a month ago. Three games to go. Reason to feel good, reason to feel worried, but it makes it exciting at the end of the year here. Anything that we uh, did not cover or or uncover here, Chris? This is a broad yeah. conversation that went in different directions. I don't want to leave anything on your notepad. Uh, I have something on my notepad. There was a moment around the 12-minute mark where you said, I have a story about Ren Baker that I want to tell. Yeah, I, I wouldn't heard it yet. I wouldn't worry about an NIT bid because Mr. Baker is the chair of the NIT selection committee. <laughs> Home cooking there, right? No one's going to look at the chair and say, listen, your team that's, you know, 17 and, and, and I'm sorry, they're just, we're not letting them in there. They were too good and it's not fair to us, the NIT teams. I think he's going to have some clout in that room. But also, um, I think he elected that position two years ago. So he knows his way around that room. Maybe it's here. Actually, it was in August. So it'll, this will be his first tournament in there, but he's been on the committee before. This is his first year as the chair. He was selected at North Texas. He's at West Virginia now. Um I think we'll write a little bit more about once we get closer to how the selection committee works. I think a lot of people think that they sit down in a room on Sunday and do all this stuff, but it's, it's a, it's a lengthy process to actually get started about 10 days from now too. So that should be interesting, but Ren Baker will not be in that room. He'll be running the NIT phones and trying to figure out who gets into their field. And maybe that will, maybe that will not include West Virginia. We'll see in the future. Now, anything else, Chris, I opened the gate on Ren Baker. You close it. Now that's it. for those listening and for those that are on the board, I'll, I'll post that uh, little spreadsheet that I made with with some of the stats I was talking about with the bubble teams, and I'm also going to include your losing streak number, Mike. I'm looking them up as we speak right now because I think that's pretty interesting. And let's just say West Virginia's longest losing. I'm, I'm picking the longest losing streak. West Virginia's was five. Um, I'm about halfway through. It's not the best number out of these 16 teams. I'll say that. Yeah, and again, when did that happen? That happened at the beginning of the conference. And granted, they're, I think they're 6-5 and five since then. That's not great. It's better than 0-5. I mean, but if that happened now, you'd freak out. Like, oh, my God, lost five in a row. Net doesn't care. The humans would. 
And if you said, well, they lost five in a row, but yeah, that was a long, long time ago. That could work in West Virginia's favor. That could hurt other teams. We'll see. Glad you like that one. I, I spent some time thinking about that. Well, it is interesting because I think I think it does tell you something about a team. I mean, regardless of how difficult your schedule is, if you're losing five, six, seven, eight games in a row, unless there's extenuating circumstances, it tells you a little something about the team. It's also very hard to lose that many games in a row and then be in the conversation. So this is, this is not a participation trophy, but hey, kudos to West Virginia for, for getting back into this because 0-5, there were, there were some times it didn't look very good and they, they got themselves back on track. That's fine. A lot to happen, a lot to talk about, a lot of time between now and the next game. We'll keep you uh, abreast of the developments as other bubble teams move on or off or things burst or things blossom. We'll figure it out. Find you online, earsports.com. Until then, I'm Mike Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you next time. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.